everyone. I am here with the fabulous Anne Molesky, and we are here for another episode of Teaching Music Tomorrow. And today we get to talk about extractable phrases. We get to talk about these small musical units that we can pull out of a larger work and apply to a lot of different conscious scenarios and a lot of like active music making settings. So right away, Anne, when we say um, an extractable phrase, all of a sudden, it sounds like we're talking about theory. It sounds like there's going to be a test. It sounds like I don't understand. Mm -hmm. and I'm afraid to raise my hand and ask a question. It sounds like I have to like sit in a lecture hall, blah, 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 wah, wah, wah. So talk to me about extractable phrases and um, maybe what they are and maybe how um, how they are useful outside of just a, um, I don't know, a fun theory lesson. Yeah, so um, you use the word phrase, I use the word pattern. I, I think we're basically talking about the same thing. So for me, when I was first sort of introduced to this idea, it was in my Kodai training, and it was in the context of thinking about how to organize resources. So if you're organizing mm -hmm. resources that are good for this concept or good for that concept, this rhythm, whatnot, you also want to share um, which context that particular element um, is occurring in. So for example, does TT happen with uh, ta, ta, TT, ta, or does it happen with TT, ta, 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 all that type of stuff. So thinking about the different permutations and the different ways that these different rhythmic and melodic elements specifically can live within, generally speaking, four beat patterns inside of whatever repertoire we might use in our cl classroom. Now that sounds like very textbook, like... <laughs> like okay so we're gonna analyze all the things and then it feels like very tedious and maybe not the most useful um information to have so really for all of us thinking about teaching like this minute today tomorrow an extractable pattern is thinking still about how a particular musical concept something that might be related to a behavioral objective lives and breathes within the song repertoire and the idea is that we can take that four beat pattern from whatever it is that we're teaching and it can be an opportunity to at least in my situation usually have some like reading and writing implications to it so it's something that we can take out um you know if you want to use the term make conscious or to present that type of musical literacy moment to students an mm -hmm. extractable pattern is something that we can do that with yeah. And for me, the magic of knowing extractable patterns is that this is what opens up every other door in our teaching. So if you just like hear a song on the radio and you're like, could I use that in the classroom? Well, you're going to like hum through the melody and find an extractable pattern. Then you say, yes, it's surrounded by other known material. There's one new musical element that I could use in this, you know, larger chorus or whatever it is. Or you go to your bookshelf and you open up, um, you know, whatever text you have. And the question is like, can I use this in second grade? If you know extractable patterns, all of a sudden you're not reliant on a curriculum resource. You're not reliant on a curriculum author or on what your, um, I don't know, what your district says, like are the songs to use this semester, uh, you know, assuming that you can um, use your own ideas in your teaching. This is what lets you open up a lot of doors and be able to facilitate a lot of musical ideas that you'd get to generate yourself as the teacher instead of always having to go to Pinterest or to Facebook or to whatever, whatever, and say, I need a song for X. You can just look through a song and know if it would work for X. 
Yeah, and not to steal anything that we're going to talk about here in a minute when we get into kind of some action taking steps, but the idea is like we could take that four beat pattern, even if it's not something, um, even if the rest of the song or the rest of the repertoire would be, mm. would not be something that students could use yet. So for example, if you mm. hear something that has like a, um, like a pop song that has a particular motive or a phrase in it that that is really lends itself to kind of this elemental form that we keep talking about, but the rest of it is like very syncopated, very anacrusic, and it's just not where your students are yet. Mm -hmm. You can still just take that, that piece, or maybe you can write an ostinato or something like that, where it becomes more accessible for your students, even though the entire big picture of that particular work or that particular, maybe even 16 beat song, isn't mm -hmm. necessarily where they are at the moment. So yeah. Yes. Yes, it allows us to pull a focus without mm -hmm. having students be able to read and write and early identify and notate and improvise with the whole entire, you know, 32 beat thing. It lets us narrow yep. in our focus. So students have something bite-sized. And I heard you say normally it's a four beat phrase. It's something that's bite-sized for students. And very often that lives as a four beat phrase. I have... Right. Um, a graphic because I happen to have done like a course about this inside the planning binder. So I'm going to show this mm -hmm. really quick because um, when it comes to knowing, share screen. Okay, so when it comes to knowing what is an extractable phrase, an extractable pattern, and what is not, we always want our pattern, our phrase, to have one new element surrounded by other known elements. So if our new element, let's imagine that our new element is Tikka Tikka or Takadimi or Tiri Tiri or whatever you're using. If that is the new thing and that's the unknown, that means that everything else in the pattern has to come from above our sequence kind of flow. If I have an extractable phrase with Tikka Tikka, then I would say, great, I can use this to teach Tikka Tikka. And that's often what we do. Like, can I, I need a song to teach um, 16th notes. And so we mm -hmm. open up a book and it has a bunch of 16th notes and we're like, this is perfect, right? But if that 16th note is surrounded by a bunch of syncopation or a bunch of, like you said, a bunch of anacrusic um, motifs in it, it's not going to be as effective as um, as it could be if everything else in that collection came before it in this rhythmic stream. Does that make sense? Anything that you want to clarify in that? Yeah. So there's, and we've, we kind of talked about this when we were talking about this episode and I'm sure we'll get into it as, as the episode goes on, but um, just to kind of further clarify. So if you're looking at a piece specifically for Tikka Tikka for 16th notes and you notice that there's lots of syncopa, there's lots of T uh, Tikka Tikka T, all of that kind of stuff. You're like, oh, can't use it. But what if there is a pattern that is just ta, ta, Tikka Tikka ta? Mm -hmm. You know, it might still be a really, really great Tikka Tikka song and it might just be that that's the one phrase that you do do something with yes. literacy for, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so let's imagine, Anne, that we are going to take um, a quarter rest or a beat of, of silence. And we can call this a ta rest, we can call it a quarter rest, whatever it is. If we have a song that we want to use to teach quarter rest, then in that extractable pattern, we want it to be surrounded by other known elements. And depending on the sequence you use, most likely that will mean ta and toddy, or beamed eighth notes and a quarter note, or one sound on a beat and two sounds on a beat, however you want to um, call that. 
So if we were to look at Bow Wow Wow, I'll sing this and I'm sure we're singing it exactly the same way. It goes, Bow Wow Wow, whose dog art thou? Little Tommy Tucker's dog, Bow Wow Wow. I have several phrases here that I could make extractable patterns. For example, if I could take little Tommy Tucker's dog, that could be its own unit for ta and toddy. For ta rest, I see it a lot of other places. I see it here, I see it here, I see it here. So at the end of this first subphrase, at the end of the second subphrase, and at the end of the fourth subphrase. And we can double check that if we pat a steady beat and find how many times we have a beat without a sound. We go, bow, wow, wow. Whose dog art thou? Little Tommy Tucker's dog. Bow, wow, wow. Okay, so can confirm orally and visually happens three times. So that means that, I'll take this bar away, that I could look at these three subphrases. Bow, wow, wow, nothing. That is its own extractable pattern. I can pull that out mm -hmm. of the repertoire and we can put it on the board. We can move to it. We can like hang on to that idea inside our brains and work with it. I can also work with whose dog art thou? Because toddy right here, if we recall from our uh, rhythmic flow, toddy is a known element, which means I can consciously compare it to this new element, which is our beat without a sound. And then bow wow wow is the same there at the end. So if I have those that I can pull out and extract, that means that I can do other things with them, like apply them to a different context, such as little dog arf arf lost. Tommy Tucker. And if friends are listening instead of watching, um, you can find this on our YouTube video. I have some just graphics here on the board of rhythmic building blocks that we can move around. And this can become, um, you know, a dictation activity. This can be a part work thing. This could be an ostinato thing. But the idea is we're moving from an extractable phrase that I can then take and move to something else, in this case, rhythmic building blocks. Okay. And what do you think about all that? Yeah, I love that. Can you go? Oh, you took it away. Oh, yeah, <laughs> can you can we leave it up just for a little bit? Yes. So yes. um yeah, so thinking about extractable patterns in terms of things that we can turn into literacy moments, things that we um are taking extractable patterns. Again, you said that we're surrounding a new or unknown element with things that are known. Mm -hmm. And that is, as you said, to build that context, right? If I was using this as my quarter rest present son. Do you think, and this, I'm not trying to trick you, is there a, a better <laughs> phrase than another one? Yes or no? And if there was, what would it be? Again, it's mm. not a trick question. It I might feel like feel it's like a, trick a trick question. question. It kind oh, of is. Great. I can answer it myself. I don't think there is. I think that the conversation could be if we're talking about just a rhythmic element. And again, this is getting like very, very splitting hairs and does it really matter? I don't know, but it might be something that people i've i've heard people debate let's put it that way yes so um you know you have bow wow wow rest which is all quarter notes then you mm -hmm. have whose dog art thou quarter note so whose dog art thou has both of kind of the other choices yes except for the new note so i can yes. see how one might argue that since we could say well is that one sound on a beat no nope, it's not a quarter note is it two mm -hmm. sounds on a beat no nope, it's not 
two paired eighth notes it must mm -hmm. be something new if we were kind of like going down that road and um, i do you have any thought and, about oh about yeah that? and i i agree with that because the whole point is that you're comparing it to other consciously mm -hmm. known sounds so we'll need something to actually compare it to and those um beamed eighth notes aren't in or those two sounds on one beat are not in the other phrases so that's why i also have one mm. large bar over all of it you know, because this, like you said, it's it's very often in a four beat context, but this is still all of these eight beats. These are still bite sized enough, especially with a known song like Bow Wow Wow would be um, that we can look at it kind of zooming out a little bit more. And then we might zoom out even a little bit more and use mm -hmm. the last, you know, eight beats as its own phrase. Yeah, sure. No. And the thing is, too, is that with quarter rest in particular, we're talking about sound versus no sound on a heartbeat. Yes. So it's a little yes. different than like dividing up a heartbeat and talking mm -hmm. about long, short sounds on one heartbeat and all of that kind of musical math that we do with different rhythmic concepts later on, right? It's kind mm -hmm. of just a comp, not just, but it's a comparable rest type lesson. So it has a little bit of a different flair um, otherwise, but yeah, but I love that. I agree. Um, you have something a little bit, uh, a little bit more involved. I feel like rhythmic extractable phrases are pretty straightforward and easy. I think when you add melody, it adds in a lot of other variables. So can you talk through your thoughts about Bow Wow Wow from a melodic standpoint? Yeah. So if you were to quickly, just quickly analyze this, you could look and get all the um, melodic elements is, is a pentatonic, do pentatonic. Um, mm -hmm or pentatone rather, because there's no, anyway, that's another <laughs> deal. Anyway, so we have our do, we have me, we have so, 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 la, so, mi, do, and then the very last um, four beats has our mi, re, do. So if you were looking at my curricular sequence, and I, I think yours is similar, um, I teach so to me, yep, so me, then so me, la, and then so me, do, and then re comes as the last note of the pentatone. So mm -hmm. for me, this would be a song that would kind of go in my re list just because you have the extractable pattern of me, re, do. Okay. And that's usually how um, I, that's usually the permutation or the extractable pattern that I would teach re in because mm -hmm. we're talking about moving stepwise. They know that it's either ascending or descending. We have our do home note um, and all of that good type of stuff. So a possible um, extraction, I guess, <laughs> sounds like I'm talking about dentistry. <laughs> possible um, extractable pattern for, um, for this might be just a simple, this is super simple, but a simple just um, echo singing or even improvisation exercise. So particularly since we have the text bow wow wow at the beginning and at the end we can play around with me re do a little bit so even if it's just bow wow wow everyone echoes bow wow wow bow wow wow bow wow wow bow wow wow right and you can manipulate that however you'd like um to put magnets on the board to show kind of like a high middle low type of thing just an abstract space mm. have students take turns and then think about what it would be think pair share all of that kind of things i mean the world is your oyster as far as that goes right and that's something that can happen with or without notation whether it's iconic on the board or not now once it becomes like a mi re do thing then you could take that same activity and translate it into Bow, wow, wow. What do you think that is? Show me with your hand signs. Bow, wow, wow. Yes, it's do, re, mi, right, etc. Um, so again, just lots of opportunities to take 
that rhythmic context, because again, the melodic stuff is going to be tied to the rhythm, and then, um, which is tied to the text, <laughs> and then go ahead and manipulate it as you see fit. So the follow-up questions then, of course, always are, if this is a great race song, what about um, all the other places that do exist? Because if you notice in the third motive, you have so, 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 la, so, mi, do. And I know if you look at your curricular map, your curricular sequence, you have so, mi, do. Mm. They're listed. And then you go to so, do. And I actually have those flip-flopped. Yep. Okay. Yep. So in my sequence, I teach so to do, and then I teach so, mi, do. Again, this is really splitting hairs. There's The reason for doing it is probably purely repertoire, right, that you use versus what I use. Um, does it really matter? We could fight about it. That's not what this episode's about. <laughs> Maybe that's another day. Um, but you know, you could, you could, if you were teaching Bow Wow Wow for rest and you wanted to also use it as a prep or even a present for dough, you could extract that third motive. Um, for me, it's not the best song because something like Apple Tree that ends, if your apple knocks me out, is a better dough song just because of how I had things laid out in my sequence. Mm -hmm. um, and I might also have some better songs that are like my really big core, like I'm going to drive everything, all of the notation with so me dough, like mouse, mousey, little mousey, her. I'm changing tonalities, but anyway. You're right. Um, changing keys there's there's other choices that might be better if that's your goal for the song however the point of an extractable pattern is as we said at the beginning of this episode to be able to extract it and use it and to analyze it in that way as kind of like a quick win whereas something that is 16 beats or 32 beats is going to take you much longer particularly for a melodic element because when you derive the melody you tend to also derive the rhythm Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll step, I'll step away. <laughs> I love it. I love this stuff. And I know I was talking about um, theory. I had uh, like a pretty poor relationship with music theory uh, growing up. And it wasn't until right. my master's degree that I was like, wait, I didn't know this was fun. Wait, I didn't know this is like the coolest thing that you could ever do with your time and is like mm -hmm. what I really like thinking about. I had a really rough relationship with all of this um, up until that point in my music uh, my own personal music education. So all of this sounds really fun to me. And if people are listening and they happen to like thinking about the construction of music, they'll really mm -hmm. like it as well. If you don't <laughs> like thinking about the construction of music and you Sorry. just want something to teach tomorrow, then, and could you, could you wrap up, you know, all of what yes. we've been saying? If, if someone just like, that's, it's too much, Victoria, you need to stop talking. <laughs> well, I think what you Anne. did is great. I think, I think if you have Bow Wow Wow happening in your classroom, or you want to look up the game that exists in 80 million trillion different places on the interwebs um, and teach it tomorrow, you definitely could. And then if you have quarter rest stuff in your back pocket, like your rhythmic building blocks, and then if you just want to do some solo singing, like I said, and you just want to do bow, wow, wow, back and forth, and then you have me, Ray Doe on the board, or you just have high, middle, low, um, bow, wow, wow, even with a body ladder, just back and forth, my turn, your turn, whole class, or individual students, small groups, that type of work I think would be great. Yeah. And the question is what, um, what musical units, what musical phrases or sentence or sentences or ideas, what are small enough and musically dense enough that mm -hmm. students can really unpack them and put them back 
together. And doing that subphrase over subphrase over subphrase that links to other subphrases and make it larger and larger and larger. Over time, students have developed the ears to kind of grab onto music and compare it to a lot of different things and do a lot of really aurally complex and very impressive stuff. But it all starts with, like what you were saying, these small, almost always like a four beat pattern um, with just one new thing that they can compare to other known elements. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think too that it's good. It's fun too to have something like Bow Wow Wow where there is just like these small changes, right? Mm -hmm. Where you do have like the ta, 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 rest. Oh, how is this one different? Like even if you're just con comparing extractable pattern to extractable pattern yes. and this is all on dough, this is all on me. And then this one has a descending, you know, like even when you get into kind of those those small patterns and have the kids involved too in kind of this analysis work and this mm -hmm. learning by comparative, learning what something is by what it is not, which is the whole game, right? Yeah. Um, I think that there can be a lot of a really great meaning making there for them too. I completely agree. And it sets them up to be able to do it with other repertoire that we use in the classroom. And then equally important slash more importantly, music that they encounter on their own outside of our classrooms as well. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this was kind of a different episode for us, I feel yeah. like. but, um, but no, it's good. So if you found this interesting, I'm sure we've talked about extractable patterns in other episodes. So as we've been telling everyone, you can listen obviously on wherever you are listening now, watch on YouTube, <laughs> or you can go to teachingmusictomorrow.com and use that search function to find more stuff that you heard that might have existed in like the almost 30 episodes that we recorded now so there's lots and lots of information there for people to check out